This is the Outback Way podcast, proudly sponsored by our HEMA Guidebook and Atlas. Welcome to the Outback Way podcast. I am Helen Lewis. Buckle up as we take you on Australia's longest shortcut, a journey through the heart of Australia. Welcome to the Outback Way podcast. Today, it gives me great pleasure to introduce Lee Atkinson, a world-renowned travel journalist and her new book, The De- Definitive Bucket List. And Lee was uh, one of the journalists who joined us on our Media for Mill in 2017 and since has done lots of travelling all over Australia and world, I'm sure. Uh, however, great to have Lee here joining us today. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Helen. Great to chat with you again. Terrific. Lee, I just wanted to uh, touch base and find out more about the history of your interest in travel journalism and how it started and uh, where um, where you got the, the spark from. How I fell into the best job in the world, you mean? Yes, that's right. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, look, you know, I, I'm a road trip junkie. So any excuse uh, for a road trip in my book is a good one. And I've been like that ever since I got my licence, you know, not long after I left school. And I was lucky enough that my first job, my first real job, um, after university was with the NRMA in their cartography department. Oh, wow. Now, I'm not a, you know, I can't draw maps, but I used to uh, get to hang out with the actual cartographers and we would be assigned trips and we would drive all over the country. And this was showing my age, but back in the days when maps were hand-drawn and uh, we used to have to really drive the miles to check everything. So that was a lot of fun and I guess that then made my addiction to road trips even more intense and since then um, I've done everything I can to keep myself on the road. I was editor of NRMA's Open Road magazine for many years and I've been a freelance travel writer and guidebook writer now for hmm, almost 20 years. So yeah, terrific. yeah it is and what would be really interesting is how you've seen you've been to lots of places probably multiple times but actually seeing the progress or the change and, and places that may have been really great back in the 90s and now aren't so super or vice versa, you know, things that have really flourished and gone ahead. I think that would be quite fascinating just to see the evolution of, of some of our communities Absolutely. and attractions. There has been a lot of changes. You know, these days it's a lot easier just to do little things like get good coffee. It used to be really hard to get good coffee outside of uh, yep. the main centres. Um, and particularly in the last few years, since we've had a lot more backpackers working out in um, country areas and outback areas, you go to these stations in the middle of nowhere and there'll be some guy from Paris who's this amazing chef yes. cooking your lunch. And <laughs> you're in this outback station in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's um, fantastic. Yeah, a dichotomy. <laughs> that's right. That's a big change. Um, there's a lot more... Uh, I don't want to say people on the road, but obviously in the last couple of decades, four-wheel driving and caravanning has boomed. But it's not yes. just way nomads either. Just in the last couple of years, I've noticed there's a lot more families um, on the road. I guess homeschooling is a bit easier now with the internet. Camper trailers are really affordable um, yes. and they're great performers because once they're set up, they're bigger than your average caravan and they can go um, on a lot of roads that caravans can't. And so we're seeing a lot more um, younger people in caravan parks and national parks, not just 
uh, people that are lucky enough to retire and have a bit more time on their hands. Yeah, that's terrific. And that's certainly what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of people uh, engaging with the Outback Way in regards to the the, the big family road trip and uh, reconnecting and and getting out and actually just uh, breathing some fresh air, I think. And it's uh, it's an excellent uh, option for people who uh, who do want to do that. So, um, yeah, the uh, the trends would have been really very, uh, very evident for you as you've uh, travelled for such a long time. <laughs> on these on these roads you've done a few books you've uh you've done the big lap and uh and so with that was that book uh really just circle around the the perimeter of the country predominantly or did you cover a little bit more that was a main uh a lap of the mainland so i love tassie and i get to tassie as often as i can but i didn't get down there on that particular trip we had a uh, camper trailer and we towed it and because i've been in this job for a while there were a few you know a lot of places i had been so our aim was to try and be on the bitumen as little as possible and to camp as remotely as possible for a year and we, we got pretty close it was a lot of fun so we didn't go to a lot of places that a lot of people do go but we did go to a lot of places that a lot of people yeah. don't go and that's um that's one of the things i've been seeing as well too as more people hit the road they are looking for those destinations that are a little bit off the beaten track that they might have done highway one before but now they're looking for something that's a little bit different and yes. getting into some of those back roads so of which yeah. the outback way is a classic one yeah well that's right absolutely and uh and it is actually quite doable in a um you know in a four-wheel drive in a camper so uh that's that's excellent the other book you did was in between that one and this one what's what was that Oh, that was the camper trailer one, wasn't it? That was I've the... had a couple since then. Yes, um, yes. I did one called uh, Explore Australia by Camper Trailer, which yes. was a, uh, a a guide to about, mm, from memory, about 350 uh, camper trailer friendly sites around the country because camper trailers are, are different to caravans and the one you can take into places that you can't take a caravan, but there's a lot of places that you can camp in a caravan that won't suit a camper trailer, particularly if you're like me, you don't have a really posh one. Mine's an old-fashioned one with a, a soft floor that you have to peg in. So you yep. need reasonably soft ground. It can't be something that's got gravel or bitumen. It needs to be level. And they've also got a square footprint rather than a long and narrow that, you know, a motorhome or a caravan might be fine. Um, so, and there were no books out there that just really catered for camper trailers. So that was a good excuse. Um, yeah that's good do that and then yeah. last year yeah. i had a book out called australia's best nature estate uh which was trying to to show people that um you don't have to rough it to go wild so you can camp or you can do very high end somewhere like southern ocean lodge in kangaroo island um so to go wild doesn't mean you necessarily need to go without, and it doesn't necessarily mean you need lots of money either. Australia's got some great nature-based um, accommodation attractions out there for all budgets. So that was a lot of fun to do as well, because I'm a sucker for glamping. I love glamping. Yes, yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I guess I have a memory of doing Tasmania with my husband, and we uh, we were camping and doing a few B&Bs, but we got to Cradle Mountain and... Uh, it was raining and I think almost snowing. Anyway, we put the tent up and by that stage, I, I, in the, in just before we'd actually gone past, gone down to get some ice or something for the esky or whatever anyway, and then 
we, I saw this day spa and I went, oh, that'd be lovely. And um, anyway, and Ian's just rolling his eyes going, oh, you're going to be kidding. Anyway, after putting up the tent, we were a little bit muddy and everything. I said, that day spa is looking particularly good. So we went and it was just magic because we just sat and we were actually watching the river run past us out and, and it was slightly showering, but you're sort of, sort of sitting outside, but you're in warm water and it was just, it was just magnificent and, and quite reasonable. Like it wasn't, you know, but it's, uh, but certainly very much connected to nature. And yeah, there's lots of those experiences around Australia, that's for sure. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. No, it was good. You know, needless to say, the day spa uh, staff were a little bit worried about us as we walked in <laughs> looking pretty shabby, <laughs> committed campers. Anyway, it was very good. And uh, so and that's good. So now um, the definitive bucket list. So how did you come up with the bucket list? How did you come up with the definitive bucket list? What was what, what were the parameters that, that what was included had to fit into um, to be on the bucket list, do you think? I think it was, you know, to be honest, just a collection of my favourite things and favourite places and experiences. But with this one, I mean, there are a lot of bucket list books out there, um, but a lot of them are aimed at backpackers or aimed at people with buckets of money. And so this one is all about, and it might be related to the fact that I had a significant birthday last year, but, um, you know, for those of us over 50, and also a, a range of budgets, you know, so lots of experiences rather than just sites to tick off a list, um, but all things that are quite friendly if your knees aren't that great. Uh, so they were kind of my um, requirement. And keeping it real, keeping it close to home as well. So it's Australia and New Zealand. We're not talking about looking around the world, Patagonia. Yeah, that's true. Yes. And so um, the big lap gives people a bit of an overview of the bigger you know, the, the bigger trips they can do um, around Australia. Um, and then, of course, you move into the New Zealand areas of the RV holiday. What, what I've noticed is that just to, from the contents, the fact that you've, you've really catered for people who can actually, you know, do walking. So there's the walking trips. There's the great train journeys for the train buffs. There's the, what, what's the flights of fancy? What's that about? That's about... Um flight seeing holidays or scenic flights in, in special spots. Um, there aren't some attractions that are really just better seen from the air. I mean, seeing Uluru from the air is amazing. Seeing Kernalulu or the Bungle Bungles from the air and uh, Heart Reef in Queensland. There's a lot of places that, you know, you get a completely different perspective from the air. Uh, and then there's also adventures like Hot Air Balloon. Um, you know, watching the sunrise from a hot air balloon in the middle of uh, the red centre is just really one of those bucket things. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. That's great. And, uh, and and I also like the fact that you've covered all the, the gourmet adventures and, well, and included in that the fabulous feasts in, in a separate chapter in the book. So there is some really good food, isn't there, Along uh, just everywhere around Australia? There is. And, you know, the most memorable meals aren't necessarily the most expensive meals. I mean, it can be easy to be seduced by all these really famous chefs and things like that. But uh, sometimes just having a picnic somewhere extraordinary or, um, again, I keep talking about Uluru, but, you know, the Sound of Silence dinner. Um, Yes. It's just one of those magical things. And it's not super cheap, but it's definitely worth every cent of the splurge, you know. And so, again, yeah, that's right. another bucket yes. list thing yes. to do. So, uh, And 
food festivals can be fabulous as well. You can find some really amazing um, food experiences at food festivals and now they're everywhere. They've become really popular. Mm, yeah, no, that's right. And uh, they're just getting better and better um, as, as the time goes on because I guess also the people are expecting um, more, you know, more interesting flavors and and are looking to experiment with their palate and yeah it, it makes it makes the food sector extremely interesting and and one that will also obviously help lots of farmers and and get them firing up about how they're producing their food and things like that so that's that's also really i think a, a byproduct isn't it, it is. and following, uh, following farm gate trails that can be a really great way of getting to know some locals getting to know what the local produce is and it's so much more fun you know it's like a big foraging treasure hunt for dinner yes that's right yes it's good and actually on that so you have got a chapter on treasure hunts and and i was quite surprised just how much um how how, how many you know, treasures there are out there so if you'd like to just go through um some of the um i guess places that make up that treasure hunt yeah i mean well we all dream of that in retirement don't we being able to fund it by finding something on our holiday <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> I think uh, the, the largest gold nugget ever found in Australia was found by a couple of retirees with a metal detector uh, at the end of a, a big caravan trip around the country. So they ended up selling it to the Golden Nugget um, Casino in Las Vegas for millions, which would be very nice and cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, um, but That's right, absolutely. You've got the gold fields of um, Victoria. Um, there's opal fossicking, and a lot of this is free. Sometimes you need a fossicking license, but they're usually quite easy and cheap to get. They're only a few dollars. You can go fossicking for opals in up at New South Wales in places like Lightning Ridge or White Cliffs in South Australia, like Cooper Pedy. Um, northern, northwestern New South Wales, there's a lot of sapphires and those sorts of gems. You've got all sorts of gems that you can find on the edge of Alice Springs out in the gem tree. No, no prizes there about how that got its name. Yep. There's even, you know, sometimes treasures are edible too, like truffles. They, they weigh more than diamonds and gold. Some, they're worth more than sometimes. And uh, you can go truffle hunting in WA and Tassie and uh, Canberra. You can find jade in New Zealand. So there's all sorts of things that you can... Uh, Unearth if you um, and it's fun. It's, it gives a reason to go somewhere. It's a bit like geolocation as well, and you know, it's part of the fun of the trail. Yeah, that's right. And and it takes you off the beaten track a little bit, and I guess it allows you to see places that you other, otherwise wouldn't see. That adds just enormous value to the to the experience you're having. It's great. Yeah, very good. I know. I just love how you've just covered so many aspects of travel in the book, and uh, the wild encounters, and the gardens, and and just basically ticking off the bucket list. So in regards to the Outback Way, we're very excited that we've been included in a couple of the chapters and and uh, and I guess well, I'd be really interested to hear from you what your experience of you've recently finished, you know, done the Outback Way and, and well, at least half of it, the Western Arm. And, yeah, I'd be interested to know what you've seen change since the last time we went across in, in 2017. That's right. Well, it was almost two years to the day from when I was doing it with you to when I did it most recently a couple of months ago. And uh, the one thing that really struck me was we'd come in from the west. We'd been out in the western deserts and so we'd uh, hooked up um, on the western side of Docker River and ended up towards Ilara and Uluru. And 
all that section now, I think it's about 50 kilometres or so, is sealed. Interesting too, what a difference yeah. it makes. Um, I've got photos taken in exactly the same place with, with Katajuda in the background. I was like, oh, look at that pitching into dirt. Oh, that's excellent. I'd love, I'd love a copy of that. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, there's a brand new, as part of that, I guess, um, a brand new campground at Dockerville. Dockerville is a small Aboriginal community a few hours west of Bears Rock Resort. And uh, yep. I think there'd always been a campground there, but it was just a, a basic old rustic campground on the edge of the town. Yeah, and, but it's beautiful. It's under those she-oaks, which just, you know, gently um, sway and have that lovely relaxing swoosh. I know, that's such a beautiful moment to go to sleep to. But this campground is one of my favourite in the outback. There's hot showers. There's firewood supplied, beautiful shade during the day. There's a couple of dunes on the edge where you get beautiful sunrise and sunset lookouts over the desert and the mountains and and you know every time I go out that way I'm always surprised like I forget how mountainous it is out there like it's it's not flat and deserty well it's deserty but it's really majestic scenery and uh that Docker River campsite would be one of my favorites you just pay your fees at the general store in Docker River and there's everyone's so pleased you're there. You feel like a bit of a superstar because you've turned up. It's great. Yeah, it's right. Pretty excited to have you because <laughs> it's, it's, it would be one of the most remote car uh, parking, uh, caravan parks or um, campgrounds in, uh, in Australia, I suggest, because uh, it certainly is, uh, is a long way from it anywhere. Is. So, no, it's, it's great. Yeah, and I'm really impressed with how they've uh, gone about those environmentally um, friendly facilities and uh yes we, we're pretty excited that that's a great add-on to the outback way that there's no doubt so yeah that's good and yes the seal um further into around warakurna and warburton or even um to the to the west of of warburton there's 50 kilometers of seal and that that seal is uh, just it, i think it's just a big relief for people yeah so. yeah because it means uh they can get to towns and medical facilities and all those things that we just take for granted when we live near the coast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and so what's next? What's next? <laughs> ah, well, no, I'm still finding excuses to hit the road. So I've got another book coming out uh, in a few months' time called Ultimate Road Trips of Australia. So I've been uh, oh, researching that. So that'll come out in a few months. But uh, just really, you know, any excuse to hit the road is a good one. <laughs> That's excellent. And what's the best way for people to uh, access and, and get your book for Christmas and give it to loved ones? And uh, and what's the best way for people to interact with you, Lee? Uh, the book's available wherever books are sold, good books are sold. So all bookshops, all online bookshops like uh, Booktopia and things like that. It is available in some, not all, but some post offices. So wherever you normally buy your books, you'll be able to pick up a copy or, or order it online. Um, and uh, I also put lots of information about um, my travels when I'm on the road and lots of photos and that sort of thing. You can follow me um, on social media at Aussie Road Tripper, which is spelled O-Z-Y, Road Tripper, or one word. So go and have a look. Um, if you forget that, just pop on to leeatkinson.com.au and you can follow the links from there. Yep, that's excellent. And um, I must say I noticed in the book that you do cover a lot of the uh, some really practical tips in regards to the cost and the time you need to allow and and all those really practical things and really great help for people who are 
you know, for planning purposes. And I think um, that's that's the big thing for people is a lot of people put it off or or think it's going to cost too much. But I think you know it's getting advice from people such as yourselves who've done it over and over again. And um, and I think it's and there's a lot of families that are actually doing it uh, and and just travellers doing it very reasonably. And that that's a really nice thing to be able to start sharing with people because. And it makes it doable then and people feel confident that they could actually take that time off and, and make it happen for themselves. And that's what we want for people to actually be able to get out and have a look around. So, yeah. It was yeah. Very and there's cool. my point just dreaming about these things. Just get out and do it. And do it now. That's my advice. Yeah, good on you. That's excellent. Well, thank you so much. It's been great having you on board. And uh, we uh, will look forward to seeing your next book next year. And, um, and, yeah, and all the very best. So thanks again for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning into the Outback Way podcast. Our notes and links will be on our website, outbackway.org.au. You can subscribe to our newsletter, buy our guidebook and download the app if you haven't already. Please join us on Facebook, Outback Way, Australia's Longest Shortcut, and on Twitter at Outback Way 1. The Outback Way podcast is all about your trip. We're really trying to make it easier for you and give you valuable information to make it more enjoyable. So we'd love your feedback. Send your questions, comments and travel stories to info at outbackway.org.au and if you share your story, we may even feature you on this podcast. Thank you for joining us through the heart of Australia on Australia's Longest Shortcut. Cheers for now.